Welcome to Creative Place, the podcast for creative placemakers. I'm your host, Andrea Orlando. This episode touches on creative placemaking in rural areas. We interviewed Bob Reeder, Program Director for Rural Local Initiatives Support Corporation, better known as Rural LISC. He talks about the importance of communicating across sectors and generations to support and continue arts-driven community and economic development. We caught up with him at the 2019 Art Place Summit, which was immediately followed by the Rural Generation Summit in Jackson, Mississippi. He served on the advisory committee that planned the Rural Generation Summit, and we sat down with him the day before it began. This episode was recorded in the conference venue after breakfast finished, so you'll hear the sounds of dishes clattering as they're removed from tables. So what is the most urgent issue in rural America right now? Well, I uh, think that one of the most urgent issues is to sort of have the broader non-rural community understand that there is no one issue perhaps and there is no one rule certainly. I think that is a misconception that folks who are not rural tend to sort of operate from as a threshold starting point, that everybody in rural is the same and nothing could be further from the truth. So what categories of rural are there? Or is there an infinite number of categories and characteristics? Each community is different, Mm -hmm. Uh, much like each household is different. Each rural community has a different... Uh, cultural legacy, they have different economic legacies, and I think that the, and they also have different residual issues that divide them internally. It's been said that all family fights are, are deep, and so in small, the smaller community, the, deep, the deeper the lingeringness of the issue, if I could go on a phrase. And so what we work to do is to sort of, um, without having a heavy hand, it's more like Adam Smith's invisible hand, we try to help folks overcome those differences by using uh, arts, and I use arts with a small a, and culture with a capital C as a starting point for them to understand that when we come together to save our community or, or to get involved in projects that advance our community and our community residents' uh, way of life and quality of life, that in and of itself is a outcome of a process. People become more humanized, and they become to realize that uh, they come to realize, rather, that we are one. And uh, I'm a Gospaltist, and I think that uh, the whole is always greater than some of its parts. So when these uh, residents come together, it's better for, for the entire community. Mm-hmm. And we use, uh, again, uh, this economic development lens that we look through, we think that a substantial or significant component of that is arts and cultural-based place, place work. When you say arts with a lowercase a, what do you mean by that? Uh, I mean it in the sense that for too long, uh, residents who are not uh, from the moneyed uh, sectors or the high MFAs think that art does not involve them. I'm too busy trying to make a living here. I got to feed my family. I got to go to work. My car broke. You know, I got to figure out how to uh, get my kids money to go on that field trip. I don't have time to worry about somebody singing an area or an aria, rather, or, or some play. And, or, or, and, and I don't go to museums because who's got time to do that? That's all highbrow stuff. So when I say art with a small a, it means showing folks that it's not about high art, 
it's that, that it's about the art that binds their communities together, and it's been there for generations. Quilters are artists. They're not thinking of themselves as one. Basket weavers are artists. But so that's why I say that art with a small a. Right. And there's another reason that's even more significant than that, and that's economic and relates to the economic development piece. When we lead, in my experience, with the arts to, to folks who are not traditionally accustomed to funding uh, arts and culture-based work, you lose them in the first 10 seconds. Hmm. Because to those, to, to that segment of, of, of funding and policymakers, this, this, is, this is a frivolity. Mm -hmm. I gotta make the trains run on time, I need water, sewer, police, fire. I cannot justify putting a, a, anything for the, for the arts in my budget. As long as it's considered this highbrow thing that doesn't impact the, the, the lives of, of ordinary folks. So, so, I, so there's two parts. The reason why I, would, I prefer to use the small A. Yeah. <laughs> and so how do you overcome that communications challenge? Delicately, but with um, an understanding that people speak different languages. Mm -hmm. uh, sectors speak different languages. And once you're able to find a commonality of translation, it makes everything easier. I one time, if I may deviate for a minute, back in my legal career, I was doing some um, disability uh, advocacy work. And as a legal person, I would say, I've got a, a, a patient who's on, who's on 13 different medications, who's been sick for 20 years, and all I need this doctor to do is tell me they're disabled. And they refuse to do it, and I hate doctors. And so I went to a seminar that was authored by, or led by a guy with a JD and an MD, he said, you guys speak the wrong language. You speak different languages. You're asking a doctor to make a judicial determination. He's not ever going to do it. So what you have to do is understand what is his language. Uh -huh. and once I had that aha moment, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not saying I never lost another case, maybe one. <laughs> once I understood how to translate those languages. So, so that's just a kind of analogy. Right, right. <laughs> so what can we do in the field of creative placemaking to learn each other's languages? It's a process, like most things community development-wise. We have to be willing to do it, uh, be uh, sincere about wanting to do it, and don't go into a situation thinking that we know everything. So I've dedicated my year, this year, even at my age, to learning how to listen to learn more. If that makes any sense, so I know I'll be. I want to listen to learn more because if I go in, you know, first thrashing about trying to show what I know, even if even if it's on something as so-called progressive as that, well, I know I don't know your language. I want to learn your language. I, I've lost it. I've yeah. just got to be able to listen to what the language is. So when I when, when I, um, I I have been a mentor within this for younger folks in the organization, my first thing was to tell them. Listen to the language. Mm -hmm. The manual is one thing. Every employee manual, yeah, yeah, it's right. All everything is in there in terms of what that's about. But the culture of this organization is in the language. So listen to the language uh, and understand what it is that that you're in the middle of. So you are on the. Is it? Is it the executive committee of the Rural Generation Summit? It's the advisory, the advisory committee of, of the Rural Generation Summit, yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you hoping to achieve with this year's Rural Generation Summit? So this year's Rural Generation Summit, I think, is an extension of, of some of the things, 
some of us have been thinking about for a while is how do we, again, back to translate language, take this uh, practice of uh, this conversation about you know arts and culture-based economic development, community development, out of theory and into practice, and also bring along a younger cohort of individuals who are willing to invest their, their time and energy in, in uh, these activities. And when I say um, down to earth, I mean, I, I've been to school, I, I, have, I have a degree, but sometimes academicians tend to forget that those reports, those studies, those white papers go on a shelf, and for all their well-intentioned um, motivations, Folks on the ground never have the opportunity to benefit from, from that wisdom. So it's about, again, being a bridge. Bridge. Bridging that world, which is a good world. We need that. But then how does that translate to something on the ground when, when somebody is in a small town going to their county commissioner, again, who thinks all arts is, is weak and, and soft and socialist and, and you need them you need their support. Yeah. Why is it important to bring along a younger cohort? Because there are a lot of graybeards like me in this world. <laughs> and uh, no, I think it's, it's very important. We, uh, it's a continuum. And uh, I know it's a cliche, but it's probably true. Without the young folks, nothing happens after, after us. Our generation has been doing this work for a while. A lot of us came out of the you know, the, the civil rights uh, struggles and different things, and we, we come into it from a certain perspective, and um, it, evolution happens. So as those things evolve, a lot of young folks are like, they're turned off by this whole thing. They're like, if you guys are so blasted smart, why do we got these problems still? <laughs> and so I, I got, again, listen to learn. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, okay, right. So how do we use your energy, I mean, their energy, and our, you know, uh, experiences? combined in a positive way that keeps equity building moving forward. Is there a message that rural LISC really wants to get out into the world right now? I'll just take the liberty of reading our mission statement. The rural LISC believes in, believes in rural America. We're committed to providing support for our communities, making them good places to live, work, do business, and raise children. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of this jam-packed Art Place Thank Summit. Thank you for taking the time to, and, and this uh, location uh, to, to ask me to do it. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Creative Place, produced by the National Consortium for Creative Placemaking. Follow us on social media where our handle is CP Communities, and visit our website at cpcommunities.org. Bye for now.